0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit that you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing.
1: Alright, new game, Session Zero. Before we get to the stats though, I have an idea for a backstory
0: that can shape my character.
2: Oh, I've got something in mind as well. I like the campaign theme of the Arcane Rangers, but um, who's our main adversary?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm thinking a group of technocultists called the Scions of the Rising Fire.
1: Oh, that's great. Okay, so I want my character to be a member of the Arcane Rangers, except he's secretly a member of the Scions sent to be a mole within the Rangers. But he's having doubts about his motivations and his allegiances
0: oh okay um does jerry's character know this
1: oh of course not i love a good secret so
2: with that welcome to the 468th episode of the mr mark podcast tonight we're gonna discuss the pitfalls and benefits of player and character secrets in your tabletop role-playing games on the way we'll take your comments exams and suggestions live the chat room for life on twitch before jumping into the after show but first my name is jerry
0: my name is phil
1: and i am old man logan
0: and Welcome I think back. this yeah. is the first of the first misdirected Mark um, where all the hosts are in their fifties. Yes, that is true. That, that is, is true. true. This is the that first is time the misdirected Mark has had. This is the silver edition of misdirected Mark. <laughs> uh, as we have now, <laughs> uh, as a as, as <laughs> yes, but old are We were once relevant. Now we're just a bunch of fifty-year-old dudes talking about role-playing games. We are clearly like just part of the past. All we are is dust in the wind.
1: You know, you you guys got to work on the gray. You know, you gotta you gotta silver it up there for the peeps.
0: I'd like to help (laughs) you, buddy, but uh, genetics keeps this keeps this looking young.
1: I had some gray hairs when I was in my thirties, so. I've, I remember. I've been, I've been.
2: I've been. I've been silver. I've been silver and brown for like 15 years now. Uh, there you go. I. I. I went. I actually. I actually was Reed Richards for a while. I had dark on top with the white stripe both sides.
0: Oh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping to <laughs> grow into. I had that's that when I was. I, I had that. that when
2: I was like 32, 33. I had that going on. Uh, that's that,
1: that, is, that. that is that is absolutely.
0: Yeah. That is absolutely my dream is to yeah. <laughs> is to go full Reed Richards. All right. Anyway, anyway, I just wanted to bring that started. up. It occurred to me. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's do the temperature check. See how everybody's doing. Phil, uh, I am uh, doing well, actually. Uh, physically feeling good. Uh, mentally, we had a week off, so I am um, feeling like pretty relaxed. And I just recently woke up from a nap, so I'm uh, well, you know, bang on, doing doing good tonight. I'm I'm doing well. Jer, how about you? Better. Um, I was. Uh, this has been a
2: hectic last two weeks, and this Monday started out kind of. Monday and Tuesday have been a little bit uh, chaotic, but I'm looking forward to things <laughs> calming down tomorrow. So, uh, just work related stuff. Nothing horrible. Just a lot of things dumping on themselves and then i was gone for three days last week so when i came into the office yesterday i had three days worth of emails and everything else to catch up on so uh, it's it's good now but it was just it's been it's been hectic for the last two days so tonight is this this is very relaxing and it's fun to hang out with my peeps so that's the way i like to do it how about cool. you
1: wow. yeah physically i'm feeling much better uh, massage therapy and a chiropractor good chiropractor uh they go a mm-hmm. long way um i'm i'm feeling really good there. Um mentally it's been uh, kind of a meh start to the week. Um still, you know, working on processing grief um um from uh, uh you know, everybody sure. handles it differently and it takes however much time it takes. And I thought I had everything figured out and then I was like, mm, nah, no, "No, I don't." <laughs> so, um you know, it is what it is. You got to deal with it and move on. So, um, so I'm parsing that, but otherwise, beyond that, doing good. So I'm ready to do a show. Let's kick this pig. <laughs> and then we're gonna have a conversation later about what "kick this pig" means, because I'm sure. <laughs> oh, you ready, like Phil? I got your favorite to. bumper.
0: Gird yourself. Yeah. Go. Work job. Work job. I have a secret. I don't want to tell you, but I'm going to surprise you later and ruin this whole campaign. It's going to be a disaster. So let's talk about how to do secrets correctly here. Where? In the workshop.
1: Oh, my God. That went so long. Sorry. Phil. <laughs> Did it? Are we having a huge lag between when the music starts and I, when you hear it?
0: I, I'm I think I'm laggy tonight. Um, I think what I'm going to do is... um Gonna wait a little bit until we're into the segment. I'm gonna switch out my um, earbuds for wired audio in fear that my um, my AirPods are creating some sort of extra delay. Gotcha.
1: All right. That being said, Jerry, fire this thing up. All right.
2: Tonight we're gonna talk about player secrets because a few weeks ago we had a rather anime discussion in our RPG channel on Slack about secrets. And as we are doing this, we realized we were talking about a few different types of secrets. People had very strong feelings about how they were implemented. So tonight, we're going to do our first episode about secrets and talk about the player secrets and the player character secrets. And we're going to come back to future episodes and talk about doing GM secrets. But tonight, let's talk about player and PC secrets and what they are,
1: the potential pitfalls, and some tips for doing them in a way that's more enjoyable for everybody at the table. All right. And of course, I'm going to cue up our favorite definition bumper so that Phil can get things going there. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda.
0: Indeed, indeed. I do have a few terms for tonight. I don't think any of them are too complex, but they're definitely worth getting sorted out. So let's start with the most basic of terms, secret. Uh, not known or seen or not meant to be known or seen by others, not meant to be known as such by others, right? Secret or information we are keeping from somebody. In RPGs, different people can have secrets. So let's sort them out, right? There are character secrets when a character has a secret that is not known to some or all of the other characters typically the GM will be aware of the secret. In fact, it's kind of weird if the GM isn't aware of the secret, because then it's just the player um, holding on to some piece of knowledge that no one knows about. So typically the GM is aware of the secret. The other players, that is the other humans at the table, are aware of the secret, but their characters are not. Okay, that's a character secret, as opposed to a player secret, um, a player secret is when a player character, when a player has a secret about their character or about something that is not known to some or all of the other players and the, their characters. And again, typically the GM is going to be aware of this secret. Lastly, not our focus for tonight, but we'll just mention it here for completeness. There are GM secrets, right? When the GM has a secret that is not known to some or all of the characters or players, Uh, At this point, I don't have a term for separating out when a GM secret is character related versus when a GM secret is player related. Um, But we're probably going to have to build that out when we do the GM secret episode. So expect that'll be coming down the line. Okay. Um, Last one is a review of a concept that we use quite a bit. That is levels. Um, These uh, are frames of mind or or foci that your mind can occupy during a game, right? There are a number of them. We've defined them in um, our previous level episode. Um, So, for instance, the character level uh, is the uh, frame of mind where you are in your character's head. You are thinking as them. You are speaking as them. uh, You are embodying your character. And then the player level, right, is when you are thinking about you, the human that is controlling the character. Um, and it may be in relation to the game. You may be thinking about, you know, stuff in the game, or you could be thinking about pretty much anything else. Like I'm hungry, where are the chips? Uh, when's the pizza going to get here? Some work stuff that's on your mind or whatever, right? It's it's when you're occupying um, that frame of mind that's about you, the uh, meat puppet that is, uh, yeah. that is running your character. Yeah, flesh bag.
1: <laughs> All right. So, Jerry, to get us fired up on this topic, why would players want to have secrets?
2: Well, regardless of the secret, whether it's character secret or player secret, there's a couple reasons that why they might want to have a secret. The first is going to be drama. And this is often the drama that occurs as you try to keep the secret and the drama caused when the secret is revealed.
0: Yes, Baron Von Badass is indeed my uncle. Right. <laughs>
2: the next. Is going to be the advantage being in possession of a secret provides some narrative or mechanical advantage in the actual game
0: while all of you were schlepping through the dungeons of unfathomable horror i knew a secret passage to get here before all of you unscathed
2: now there's going to be some excitement that comes with both of these things um with the drama that excitement comes trying to keep that secret or when the secret is revealed and when it comes to advantages, many players enjoy having advantage over some part of the game. And in this way, secrets can be kind of a loop. The Satisfaction comes from the loop being closed and the secret coming to fruition, which means that secrets are often less fun if they are not revealed. That's the key.
1: True. true. All right. So, so far, Phil, secrets don't really seem too dangerous, but there is a darker side to them that can disrupt the game. Tell us about some of the dangers of player secrets.
0: All right. Here we go. Right. Player secrets are the most risky kind of secrets that you can have in a game. And I mean risky as in they hold the greatest potential for causing some sort of harm in your game. When players start keeping secrets from other players, they are doing this for the above reasons, right? Drama and or advantage. But there's also like some secondary reasons that can kind of... um motivate players to keep secrets right some of these are going to be things like
2: oh sometimes they want to show off they pulled something off behind the rest of the players Ooh, this is going to be for ego bragging rights whatever look how clever i was sometimes they're doing it because they're competing with other players even at times when the other players don't know that they were in that competition or not and the last one and the one that i've seen most often is they just enjoy creating chaos. Ugh. Some
0: some men just want to watch the world burn.
2: And I'm going to put yeah. my own opinion here. I hate those fuckers.
0: <laughs> that is perfectly fine editorial. Okay. That's not to say that people who want to have player secrets are all doing them for malicious intent. But in a few minutes, when we get to character secrets... Um, if a person would prefer to have a player secret over a character secret, you really got to kind of dig into these secondary reasons, right? Like it starts becoming a lot more suspicious if they would yeah. prefer to keep the secret from the other humans at the table.
2: I'm going to add one more motivation, and this is kind of a sideways to the other ones, and that is if the game design itself encourages player secrets, for example, paranoia the role-playing game that's the one time where i think player secrets are acceptable and we're going to talk about why that one actually works but yeah um, we're going d- say that, th- that that's the one time that players creating chaos is part of the game
0: go ahead phil no that's fair that's fair okay. the, um, the game is designed for it and we'll get to when we talk about ways to do player secrets safely we'll talk about what paranoia does mm-hmm. that is different from you know, just doing this in the middle of your, you know, fantasy game.
2: So now that we've talked about uh, player secrets. We're going to say that all secrets are more fun when they finally get revealed. With player secrets, they don't have to necessarily be revealed in game. They can be revealed out of the game or even after the campaign's over. Because these secrets are being revealed for some of the rest of the players, um, the drama caused by any re- revelation only falls on the character, but not only falls on the character, but also falls on the players. And when you have Revelations that fall on the players. This can create bleed, and not yeah, always good play, bleed.
0: Player secrets um, can also cause issues with expectations within the group. Um, most games, not all games, as Jerry uh, has hinted to, assume that the players are cooperating; they're on the same side, etc. Uh, and if there is no expectation in the game that players like have could have secrets and one is suddenly revealed like a big bombshell or a face heel turn, you've violated the expectations of the game and probably the expectations of the other players. Uh, And this is like where a lot of that revelation bleed comes from is that you're creating like feelings of betrayal within the members of the group. Like your revelation you know, when you start like, ha look how clever I am. And everyone else is like, fuck you, Phil. Um, that's it. Like you have violated the expectations of the game and the expectations of the other players. And that is definitely going to cause some hurt feelings.
2: This is because bleed expectation violation can basically be pretty damaging at the table. Lots of people don't enjoy surprises or betrayals. In fact, surprises can generate strong negative emotions in people. So when you're enjoying a revelation, some members of the group be- could become, accept- let's try this again, Mr. Mark, word scramble. So if you're the one mark enjoying the revelation, <laughs> some members of the group might become upset.
0: Yeah, now how people handle upset, being upset is going to vary, right? Like some people could just be put off or annoyed, like, "Ah, oh, you fucker, right? Like, and then that's it, right? get a few chuckles. They, you know, like, Oh, can't believe you did that. You know, and that's it. They're done. They're fine. Um, other people could become visibly upset, right. Could take action in game. I mean, I remember, um, Bob and I had a friend of ours in a campaign from years ago, uh, who is younger than both of us. And many of his, um, he was in high school at the time when we were older, many of his campaigns ended like um, like a Shakespeare tragedy with all the player characters killing each other, often because they were upset about something, often because of like a secret like this. Um, and so, you know, players would suddenly turn on each other, attack each other. And then the worst part of this is that it escapes the table and people become so upset. That um, it becomes hostile in person, like people get angry or, you know, yell at each other or, you know, flip a table or worse, right? Um, when these things happen, um, people may not want to play in a game with somebody who has caused that kind of drama in the group. Um, they're not, they may not want to go back and play another campaign with that person, right? Um, And you can do some real damage to your gaming group uh, by poorly handling a player secret. Yeah.
1: Phil's going to talk about this in the roundtable, but I know this experience firsthand. Um, So say we're going to play a game where player secrets would be advantageous for the game. How do we make that work, Jerry? Well, first of all, there are types of games where they totally work and can make
2: sense if they make the game a certain type of interesting.
0: Yeah, so games that are character-based um, and have some sort of PvP to them um, work well with player secrets. I'm also going to amend that because um, games that are specifically set up, like Jerry said, like Paranoia, also, which has PvP, to be clear. It's just not character-based. Um, Paranoia is very much a mission-based game, but it is very PvP. All right, so games that have that PvP quality to them um things like uh paranoia great example um one of my personal favorites amber dice uh, vampire is a game that can go this route and so is like a game like urban shadows right urban shadows could easily go um could go this route not that i think player secrets make urban shadows better but secrets make urban shadows better Now, the
2: biggest reason for player secrets going wrong at the table is because of a lack of some sort of safety Often these issues are caused when a secret revealed have more to do with expectation management than anything else. If the members of the group weren't expecting the possibility of a player secret and one appears, this is when people can get upset. But there are safe ways to run a game with player secrets, but it requires you having a discussion about it beforehand and setting up some levels of safety.
0: Yeah. The best possible place for this discussion is session zero, right? The worst possible place for this discussion is mid-campaign. Right, like you should you you want to you want to like you want to lay this foundation down right at session zero, where you are establishing the tone of your game and setting your general safety parameters. Here are some tips if you are going that route of how to get that set up. First, you have to deal with consent.
2: You want to get consent for the player secrets, so you ask a question like, "Are we okay as a group?" For the players, they have secrets from other players. Uh, ask that question as with all consent. If there's even one no. Then for that group, the answer is no. Yeah,
0: pretty straightforward.
2: Now when you next ask, one is oh, go ahead.
0: Next go one ahead. is boundaries and limits. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming you have consent, right? Assuming everybody at the table is like, yes, we can all we can keep secrets from each other because that's the kind of game we're playing and we think it's going to be cool. Um, you can then set some boundaries about uh, what kinds of secrets people can keep. Um, some of those boundaries could be very generic. Some of them may be very specific to the game you're running.
2: Um, you want to ask questions like, is it okay to have a secret that's a secret about your past? Is it okay to have a secret that will give you an advantage over other members of the group narratively? Or a secret that will give you advantage over the members of the group mechanically? Is it okay to have a, a secret that reveals that you're a traitor or you might betray the group or even one that might put the group in harm's way? Is everybody okay with all of those? Um, And you can say yes to some and no to others, or you might put caveats on it along the way. But the important thing is to ask those questions and then discuss it with the group and make sure that everybody's on board. And once again, if somebody says no, throw that one out.
0: Yeah. For me personally, like I could, depending on the game, probably be pretty okay with, um, some advantage secrets and your background secrets, but probably, I mean, I know for me personally, right. Um, a hard no is going to be traitor or betrayal. I have huge traitor or betrayal issues. So hard no for me, like, yes, you can, you know, have secrets that you're not telling my character or whatever. um, But they're only benefiting you in some way, not harming me, or you're not going to go from being, you know, an ally of mine to an enemy of mine. Right. I could probably get behind that again. When we talk about something like paranoia, where it's kind of built into the game that you're on your own um, and that anyone you know, could be coming after you. I'm actually more okay with that because um, it, that because it's built into the structure of the game, my choosing to play the game is part of my consent to, to that play. But if we're playing something like vampire, I might not want um, somebody to be secret trader. Like I might not want somebody secretly the sabot in the middle of the group. Right. Like I want like, maybe we are all, you know, we're all in it together kind of. Thing. Okay. Yeah
2: i'm i'm on the same feeling i mean i i'll be honest most of the time especially if i'm playing with with friends as long as we are are taking traitor betrayal and harm's way off the table i don't mind if another player has a a secret that gives them some sort of advantage in the game especially if it's going to make for a more fun storytelling experience if one player happens to be richer or have extra spells or access to a star destroyer or, or whatever um that's okay because it's going to make for better stories, even if it gives them something that nobody else has. But that's me. I don't mind that sort of thing. But it, like you said, and when you, a game like Paranoia or a game like Cartel, um, another game where betrayal is part of the game, um, that I would be more comfortable with. But it's got to be part of the built into the mechanics of the game and part of the core concept of the game is that you're going to have some betrayal. Um, so go ahead. Go ahead, Phil.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I, mean, I, I think this is actually a, a good point that I don't think we make a strong enough point in the notes, so I'll just, I'll emphasize it here. Mm-hmm. And, and this starts with your original comment. Certain games talk about either by genre or explicitly that betrayal and secrets are kind of a thing. You run more of a risk of creating real damage with player secrets in games where there's no expectation for that, right? So if you're just playing 5e, And um, if you're just playing 5e and you just suddenly decide to have like some sort of, you know, like, oh, I'm secretly like, you know, an acolyte of Tiamat and I'm going to just turn at like level five and reveal this on the players like nobody is expecting that to happen in the game. Right. And it'll it'll be a gut punch as a as a player secret. It'll totally be a gut punch if you do that, as opposed to. My tr- my troubleshooter is actually a, a you know a member of um what is it Corporal corpor metal or something I, I forget yeah. one of the yeah like at that point like in that game you're like well of course you're a member of a secret society like of course we're all we're all. We, we're all members of a secret yeah exactly
2: I'm secretly a we're mutant all, okay we're all, <laughs> we're all we're all common, we're all traitors that's the whole point of the game yeah yes and, and 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 but there's a way to put that in the middle like you can have like. If you're playing a superhero game, especially like an 80s era Marvel superhero game, um, the idea that players in the group will have secrets that that nobody knows about, you know, and and you suddenly figure out that you're, you know, part of something else, as long as it's not going to betray the group, that that comes across all the time. I think that's part of the drama of superhero role-playing. But, and we're going to talk about this in a second, that's often better if it's a character secret, not a player
1: secret. Yep. So...
2: And don't uh, forget, so
1: just with it. all of these discussions about setting expectations and asking those questions of the group before you get started, marry all of that together with all of your other table safety stuff, lines and veils mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, Jim mentioned, you know, you could do an okay check-in kind of a thing in yep. Cartel right before, you know, like, this guy's going to betray you. is everybody cool? <laughs> like, are we good? <laughs> you know, all of that yep. stuff works together. It's not in a vacuum, so... All right, Phil, what about character secrets? I'm sure there's got to be pitfalls to those like player secrets, right?
0: There are, but let's just put it out right now that character secrets are just better than player secrets. Um, Everything that we've been talking about actually also works as a character secret. Um, And we'll get into that in just a minute. In terms of overall safety, character secrets are less likely to cause the same kind of damage that mismanaged player secrets can. But like player secrets, uh, it is worth having an early safety discussion, establishing your consent and boundaries about what kind of secrets you're going to play out at the table with your characters. Um, And even if we're talking about, you know, even with secrets that other players know um, we might like the moment a secret is created is when you can still have a safety issue, right? So having that boundary discussion, um, lets you just kind of let you know, helps tune everybody into the kind of secrets that somebody could make up either in play or during character creation or something like that without you know getting people upset, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, where a lot of people push back on the character secrets though is metagaming where player knowledge starts to influence character knowledge. For example, if we're playing in a game and I, Jerry, know that Bob's character is really a doppelganger. And whenever he talks to my character, I keep acting suspicious while I have no reason to be. That's metagaming. And it's going to take some of the fun away. Um, And I think we don't give players enough credit for keeping those things separate. Most players can do this. Um, Actually, if it's done well, it can go the other way around, where if everybody's in on the fact that Bob's a doppelganger, we can be a little bit obtuse to things that he does that might be suspicious because it might make it more interesting if we don't, you know suddenly look over in the area where he's trying to you know poison our food or whatever so that later on we have to deal with it um i like that and i think that that's that that, that's that's metagame we don't want to get into that thing where we just start deliberately acting suspicious or deliberately following somebody around never be alone without with with bob that sort of thing that makes it no fun for anybody in the group
0: not in the least where i think um where i think playing along, at like, you know, not using that metadata, like metadata, sorry, it's my IT job creeping in there, um, where I think not using the meta knowledge fails is when that secret is going to directly endanger your own character, right? We all have a preservation for our character. Um, and so, you know, it's harder to separate that knowledge when we know our character is in imminent danger, right? It's one thing if Bob's character is a doppelganger who is not revealed his true nature to the group because doppelgangers are shunned by society, right? And then like that comes out later to the group and we, you know, we have a moment of acceptance and maybe a little shock, but acceptance and that kind of thing. It's another kind of secret to keep and maintain the uh, metagame boundary if Bob's character is a doppelganger and he's an assassin here to kill Jerry. And by posing as the person that Bob is, in, you know, currently um, looking like they're able to get close enough to kill Jerry with a single attack. Right. Yeah. Like th- that's going to be hard for Jerry to mm-hmm. just be like, yeah. yo, no, it's cool. Come on in. I'm alone. Lock the door behind you. Right. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, the former, is, the former one is a great secret to play out at the table. Right. And the latter one like that kind of thing is actually better if the GM does it, right? Like that's not really, that one's not really good as a player character, character secret. Like that one's actually better that the GM just brings in an NPC who's the doppelganger and is closing in on Bob or closing in on Bob for the attack. And when we do the GM secret thing, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but really what makes the it better for the GM one is the mechanical chances that Bob will discover it in the nick of time, right? We'll talk about why GM secrets are better when they're discovered just before they happen, because ultimately the GM could just, you know, whack you, <laughs> right, by fiat. Yeah. So this thing about GM secrets is the nick of time. We'll talk about that probably next week. I'm not guaranteeing next week, but I'm feeling like next week.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, making character secrets work is going to be a group effort by the players and the GM. But players can help per- perpetuate these secrets in the story by the action their characters take. For instance, Bob's character makes a small faux pas that may reveal their true nature, but Jerry decides, no, 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 my character would never think this was suspicious and doesn't register the faux pas as anything important to follow up on so that the characters get to keep the secret going and enjoy playing off of it.
0: hmm hmm The group can also work together for the reveal. Um, they can collaborate on when in the story it should come out and then have the dramatic scene and dive into their characters to deeply act the scene out. And while this lacks surprise, as in we all know it's coming and it finally happens and there's not that oh, moment, it doesn't lack drama, right? I think that people who like player secrets mis equate surprise, like shock, with drama. Yep. Mm-hmm because i will hazard to say and i feel fairly confident in saying this that a character based reveal that we all know is coming and finally like reaches the moment where bob you know admits he's a doppelganger is going to be more dramatic because as a player i've known this is coming and i guarantee you that on some drive or standing online at the grocery store or waiting to get my pizza from the pizza place i have been rehearsing what I'm going to say to Bob's character, yep. right? Like, like when this secret comes out, I like, I'm going to get in his face and I'm going to talk about, you know, how could you, we were brother, you know, the whole thing. And I'm going to be building up that work in my head all the way up to the actual reveal.
1: Now, this is not to say that there can't be any surprise in the reveal at all, right. because you know, it's coming. Sure. But it may be a bit of a surprise in how they choose to reveal it the mm-hmm. circumstances of the moment could still be like oh it's happening now like oh yeah. wow and it could be one of those moments where like yeah sure you you sat there and you you went through and and practiced your speech of what you were going to say the moment you found out but the method of the reveal completely changes the context and you're like now you're like oh that speech isn't going to work anymore. This is like totally more interesting. Like, yep. So you can still have that surprise to the moment, just yep. not like Jim put. Shock is really what it's missing because yeah. you're not shocked at the reveal because you know it was coming. Shock <laughs> you don't need is that overrated. Shock. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to say shock is not what yeah. it's shock is not what it's cracked up to be. And honestly, after the last couple of years, shock is not a thing I want a- in any part of my life. Like yeah. drama. Yes. Shock. No, like oh, I'm really awe. cool. <laughs> I like a little <laughs> awe. But and shock. shock
2: no.
0: So yeah. And, and so to go back, I just want to sum this up because I know we're coming close to um, hitting the break here. When we talk about player secrets and character secrets, right? The difference is, the difference becomes that player secret is being held by the player from the other players. And the danger is, um, again, that bleed. And this is why we were saying earlier, uh, earlier in the segment, if you want to do secrets and somebody doesn't want to do character secrets, they like are insisting on player secrets it's those secondary motivations that you really have to look at like do they want to just you know are they they want to be a little smug are they are they looking to create some chaos like that's why i'm i'm instantly suspicious about um and again unless the game is specifically set up that way i'm I'm very suspicious of people who don't want to do character secrets because i think character secrets um actually can be a lot, of, um, a lot of great fun drama. Like I would happily yeah. play cartel with all character secrets and know like all these things are about to like come crashing down rather than, you know, having to deal with the shock and my own, you know, managing my own feelings at some, you know, flash of betrayal or suddenly discover I'm the one person at the table who doesn't know the secret that everybody else knows. And now I feel like an idiot like i'm not pure for that part of gaming (laughs) like that's that's not that's not what i signed up for i i you know if my character is the last idiot to know um and everyone else is in on it and like you know has decided to put my character in a hole in the desert and you know we've been working on it and i've been like helping to steer my character there yeah okay here goes my character and, you know, we'll play it out and, you know, I'll probably make another character or something or we'll yeah. be at the end of the campaign. I can live with that. I just I'm not here for um, I'm just not here for odd one out um, hurt feelings. And again, I think it's got a lot to do with people equating shock for drama. Break that <clears throat> chain. Just yeah. break it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I, I was going to say, by the way, this whole doppelganger changing thing. Um, we had in our Eberron campaign that I ran for a couple of month, years, where Schmidty was a changeling that never revealed their actually changeling ability to any of the any of the characters in the game, though all the players were aware of it and had a good time like reacting to things and you know, when when Schmidt's character decided to make some change one way or the other, the players all reacted to it in a way that they didn't detect what was going on and had a good time with it. So it gave them a chance to have uh, more drama and hmm. and more. Now, Schmitty's character wasn't being a changeling to attack the party. They were being a changeling. They were hiding their changeling status because of prejudice in Eberron at the time, um, which they wanted to play up. And and of course, going back to a topic from a couple of weeks ago, um, just by playing the character that way also told me as a GM and the other players, The kind of stories we wanted to tell, that that we were going to talk, have have situations where that could occur, where they could um, play up on that. And if you've got good players and you've got good character secrets, the players could all have a good time playing with that secret. So it doesn't just become the one player's secret. It's a character in the game and they can all have fun playing with it and creating situations where... That player and the other players can interact with each other about that secret without revealing it and have a lot of fun with it. Um, it doesn't have to just be something like a chain. It could be something as simple as, you know, my character is, is secretly the child of the big bad evil guy, or, you know, I am an ex bad guy turned good, but I don't like to talk about my bad guy status. And the other players can constantly have conversations about the bad guys so that everybody gets to role play talking about it. With, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all stormtroopers are evil. Yeah, yeah, they never do anything good. Those kinds of stories. And have a good time with it. So yeah. that's the positive side of all those character secrets. Or, uh, yeah, character secrets. I'm not sure I don't use the wrong term. Anyway, <clears throat> that's a look at secrets to the player side and the character side. And we're going to take a break and check it with the chat room. But first, Bob is going to tell us about
1: another show on the Mr. Mark Network. Yeah, if you have not yet checked out they're a Super Geek. There's a week is an actual play one-shot live stream created by three BIMPOC players to highlight the voices of marginalized folks in the TTRPG scene. I don't know why that acronym always, the double T's always blow my mind. I don't know why. They feature feature gender-marginalized GMs and a diverse rotating cast of players. Tune in every other Thursday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time on the Misdirected Mark Twitch channel. All right. So, uh... <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, Senda had pointed out that uh, she feels like the least bad that a player secret can be is disappointing, which is straight up because no one knows there's a secret to explore or build a drama around. Like, it's it's like, why are you even doing it? Like, let people know so we can use
0: that and have some fun with it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Otherwise, why bother?
0: <clears throat> I mean, I know why. I, I mean, I know why in my... Um you know, elementary school and middle school games, these things happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, although we are gonna talk about it in a little bit when we come back from break and hit the round table, we are gonna talk yeah. about like the largest player secret I ever kept. Um and and all the reasons why um I shouldn't have, right? Like a colossal GMing <laughs> yeah. mistake. Um yeah. colossal GMing mistake. Um
1: Yes, and, having uh, a secret
0: that no one knows is basically just um, your background. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, thought your your character background. What's the that no point, one's man? Yeah,
1: <laughs> and for uh, for the edification of everyone uh, who wants to know where let's kick this pig comes from, uh, it comes from the motorcycle community. Harley Davidsons are uh, referred to as hogs, and you kickstart your motorcycle. So the phrase got shortened to "kick this pig" to start your motorcycle up and get on the road. So there that's where that comes from. Hey. Now you know, and knowing, and knowing is and knowing is half
0: the battle. Which is G. funny because I, I just Joe. saw an ad for that GI Joe role playing game, and I'm like insanely <laughs> curious about it. I shouldn't say insanely. I'm sorry. I'm very curious about the GI Joe role playing game. I'm like i've always been a fan of the comic book and you know as a kid the tv show yeah. and i just i need to i need to know i need to know what the mechanic of this game is like yes. I- am i going to be interested in this or am i going to look at the mechanic and be like you are level one snake eyes like and then just be like wah, wah. <laughs> right exactly yep <laughs> and can i play sergeant slaughter i just i need to know if that is also a possibility can i can i play sergeant slaughter in this the fridge yeah the fridge <laughs> for guy I, I i i don't remember i know i had sergeant slaughter i do not think i had the fridge action figure by the okay. way for for our youngins in the chat room um the fridge is in refer in reference to um um perry what's it what yes. was his first william
1: the refrigerator, the refrigerator perry, perry, perry who was a defensive lineman for the chicago bears during the 85 uh uh, the Super Bowl defense. Um, and he was called the refrigerator because A, he was big like a refrigerator, and B, he ate like, you know, he had all the food in him. So.
0: And if you want to get a, if you want to see him, if you want to see him, you merely only have to go to YouTube and type um, the words Super Bowl shuffle.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Super Bowl <laughs> shuffle. You will was be. It, was it
2: his? Just- wasn't his weapon in the G.I. Joe, What basically, wasn't he basically wearing like a football jersey and jeans and he had a football on a stick that he used like a Warhammer?
0: Uh, it was either a football on a stick or it was a football um, like a flail. Yeah, it was I, I, I'll go. Two. I'll go look. But it was yeah. it was definitely a football of some sort. It was definitely. A
2: football I, I, I didn't own any G.I. Joe toys, so I don't know offhand what they had.
0: Oh, that's a shame. Because if you had owned them, I could have come over to your house and still played them today. So that would have yeah. been.
2: I I had a friend who had a lot of them. They just weren't my. I was at that point. We were in the. We had the, you know, I I th- those were out of my price range. I had adventure people and whatever the other uh, less expensive sets that were out there, and built a lot of stuff out of Legos. So all right, there, so Jerry,
0: um, yeah, the the answer to this for us is is going to be both yes on the action figure it yeah. looks like a football on the end of a stick but yeah. on the artwork for the character card it looks like a, a flail and i suspect they just made it a stick because you know they had to do a plastic mold um yep. to yeah. make the to make the piece so actually both like it yeah. it is it is both all right. This is a delightful, this is a delightful um side journey that we're on yep. right now. But I, I'm I'm ready when if you want to pull us back in. Yeah, yeah let's right. jump
1: back into the round table and uh Phil can
0: start us off with the first question. Indeed. Question number one. What is your overall feeling about player and character secrets in games, either as a GM or player? Some of this we've already teased, but We'll, we'll all make our we'll all make our stand on it here
2: all right everybody get ready to grab your handkerchiefs and mock victorian surprise but uh, i am a fan of character secrets and i hate player secrets too often i just find that players want to keep secrets for other players for reasons that are not totally healthy for group cohesion or friendships um there are a few games where paranoia like paranoia and some other pvp games where it makes sense but there are a lot of rules and conditions for that to go off well and when that happens, it's always part of the game design. At the end of the day, I just think unless your game requires player secrets, don't have them. That's my feeling on it. And that's pretty much it. There we go. Send us right. Not grab, not, not, not grasp at your handkerchief. Grasp at your pearls. Thank you again, my queen. That's a pearl You've clutching.
1: Pearl clutching. This is my
2: face. Yeah. So my, my feeling is character secrets, great. Player secrets, not great. That's how I come off.
1: Bob? Yeah, I'm pretty much going to echo that. I I would much prefer character secrets. And and like we discussed above, if somebody really wants a player secret, you got to dive in a little deeper into what the possible reasons are that they want that player secret. Are they doing it to be clever? Do they think Mm -hmm. they've got a really clever secret that they're going to get away with and it's going to be awesome? Because remember what happens when you're clever as a GM. You're not. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah same yep. thing. Don't do if it. If you think you're being <laughs> clever as a PC, stop. You're not clever. <laughs> don't yep. do it. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Bill,
1: well, everybody grab your my feelings on, turn. <laughs> yeah. My
0: feelings on this don't drift far from you guys. Um I am obviously a bigger fan of character secrets. Um like we've talked about, I'm not opposed to player secrets that are negotiated from the start of the game. Now my personal preference is I don't like player secrets, but if we're playing paranoia, I'm actually okay for it to happen. Um, Like I'm actually more than okay for it to, to happen. I have run and played paranoia a bunch and I, uh, you know, in my youth and I loved it. Um, And it is a game where screwing everybody over is an absolutely acceptable part of the game. And I'm okay with it. But what I, um, what I dislike is non-negotiated player secrets. Um, That to me is the worst feeling is um, that, that, that change of expectation. Now, a lot of this, some of this is just, I think in general, some of this is on me. I'm not a person who likes um, sudden changes. I like my expectations and I like to keep them um, once they're set uh, I'm willing to negotiate my expectations up front, but I do not like being surprised. Um, I am definitely a person that, you know, a surprise party would not be my favorite kind of party, right? Like that would not be um my favorite thing. I don't like surprises and I don't like um expectations being dashed or those kinds of things. And then, of course, like absolutely hard line, no hidden trader stuff um hidden trader is a huge problem for me personally um and i just don't like it so like if a player like i could live with i could live with player secrets like i said earlier that um reveal something about their background like a connection to a bad guy or even like a you know oh no i'm wealthy you know i just you know i just don't tell people i could survive those things um in a game but boy like uh hidden trader is my table flip that's my open door. Like that would be me being like, ah, I will exercise my open door option and just leave the game. Um, So I just think overall character secrets just work out better. Like, I think that you just have such, They're so much safer for group cohesion and being friends with everyone. They're just so much safer that there's very few cases where I would pick player secrets over character secrets. I will almost always be like, oh, we should all have secrets. Our character should. And then we should all help each other, you know, perpetuate those secrets because they're fun. Um, So again, pretty much in line with you guys. That's a a softball question. Like
1: that one right over the middle of the plate.
0: Just right over the middle of the plate. Like no secrets there.
1: Oh, that one's gone. Question two, what is your most memorable secret and how'd it go, Bob? (laughs) Yeah. So way back in the day, I ran a Palladium campaign that was a complete train wreck for many, many reasons. But our friend Sean decided he was going to play a changeling. And of course, in the world that we were playing in, changelings were not considered very good. And he disguised himself as an elf and kept telling everybody he was an elf. And a librarian, I believe, at that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Elf
1: librarian. (laughs) Everybody kept accusing him of being a changeling assassin. And he would vehemently say, I'm not an assassin. He wouldn't refute the changeling part, but then he wouldn't tell us outright. This was a character thing. We all knew. But he wouldn't tell anybody in the party that he was actually a changeling. But he never refuted it. He would always argue, I'm not an assassin. When they, everybody said, you're a changeling assassin. And then there was an, an incident where we were going through a dark tunnel. And the elf should have been able to see where he was going because, you know, night vision. And he's bouncing off the walls. <laughs> Everybody's like, dude,
0: <laughs> come on. And, and the thing about the game was all of our characters had trouble pasts, And we were all yeah. running from something. Yeah. And so through the game we were all confessing to each other like why we couldn't do whatever like my character was a wizard but he was kicked out of the most prestigious school of magic right like yeah. he, he was an asshole but that like which is part of the reason why he was kicked out but but he like he was kicked out of like the most prestigious school of magic um mike's character was a wanted criminal so he never traveled west he only traveled east because he was so he on the run, run from the pe- yeah he could every time we were like which way should we go he'd be like not west and so you know we were waiting for Sean to reveal the secret we're like yeah. and we even had a conversation with him one day and we were like look if there's anything you need to tell us if there's any secret you have like you should tell us like we're here like we're all brothers like we're you know good. we're in Don't this together <laughs> right Like no, I got nothing. And then, and then when he finally came out with it, um, I blew him out the side of a stagecoach with a magic bolt. Mm -hmm. We're we're in the middle of talking, and he shifts into his changeling form, and I'm like, "Yeah, I cast a bolt of magic energy and shoot him out the side of the out of the out of the moving stagecoach." Blew him right out. He lived. He lived. You win. You're a changeling. We were pissed. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It was. That was it, because we had been attacked by other changelings, and then Sean was like, oh, I better confess, like, you know, changelings, like, other changelings seem to be bad guys, and without saying anything to us, he shifts into a changeling, and we're like, oh, shit, bam, and just blow him out the side of the yeah. of the stagecoach. It did not go well. Yes. <laughs> it was pretty, it was, it was pretty funny, and again, because it yeah. was more of a, it was a pseudo player-level secret, like, we kind of, I think we all knew, um, We all knew, but yeah. it wasn't revealing it. So yeah. um, it was amusing. Like it, it was.
1: It was <laughs> all right, Phil's turn. You got a good one.
0: Oh, jeez, man! All right, prepare yourself for everything that you could do wrong as a GM when it comes to secrets. Um, this is how we learn, right? We learn by failure, mm-hmm. and in this case, as now having reached fifty, and I'm now just a um, an archive of of you know, good and bad things that have happened in games, allow me to tell you the story about Ermine. The game is Amber Diceless. Ermine uh, is one of the princes of Amber, one of the player characters run by our friend Jim. Uh, Bob's in this campaign. A number of other people are in this campaign. And Amber's a game where there's like a little bit of PvP competition, not outright, but there's like, you know, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of palace intrigue that goes on in this game. So this game was already characterized by a lot of writing notes to each other, like to the GM and a lot of like pulling the GM off to the side to ask a thing or do a thing or whatever. So Jim takes his character and wisely um, plays his character, plays his character extremely well um, and manages to murder several of the weaker aunts and uncles in the game um, without any of the players knowing that it had happened um, and slowly Jim began to build this plot to take over Amber um, a little at a time and I, um, I as the GM facilitated a whole ton of this um, because I was basically um, emailing him between games as he was telling me the things this character was doing and um, then writing them into um, the, upcoming, the upcoming sessions. And I, it was bad because I facilitated it. I attempted to scare him out of doing it when I upped the stakes and a more powerful Amberite uh, confronted him on it. And my hope was I would scare him back to being a good guy But instead, he like embraced this evil Elder Amberite and was like, we should work together um, and did. Um, And then the game just got more and more out of hand as like most of Jim's game playing was happening outside of the game and very little of it was happening in the game. In fact, I was making up like other storylines for him to play while in the background. He was like executing all these things the yeah the culmination of all of this when we reach the end of the campaign and we were planning to reach the end of the campaign um in the frenzy of everything that's happening at the climax of the game jim lays down his last domino and destroys the pattern of amber um and all hell break literally all hell breaks loose and Suddenly, players start to realize that certain Amberites are dead, the pattern is gone, reality's collapsing, and that there's a new pattern that has been written in uh Erman's image and um the when the revelation hit in that game, the amount of betrayal that was felt by the players was palpable it wasn't even just palpable one player cried like just cried um one player uh was never the same after that um and didn't want to play with jim in any games um a number of people were upset and a couple weeks later got over it like it was bad um yeah it was bad and it was for all the things that we're talking about here it was, it was a complete, um, expectation, f- failure of expectation management. While everyone had quote secrets, no one had a secret to the scale at which Jim was operating at. Yep. Um, nobody else even thought the game could be played, um, in that manner. And, and like, um, Jim, Jim likes RPGs is saying in the chat room, I didn't have a, gm to player discussion of like hey we should cool this thing off it's getting kind of out of hand um no i was you know 20 something not as good of a gm and as careful as a gm as i am today and um i let it roll uh i was a big i was the facilitator and co-conspirator in ultimately the betrayal of that game yeah and while his plan was brilliant and years later, decades later, most of us can laugh about it um, and, you know, we're like, wow. And, you know, we still use ermine as a curse word um, in our game. In fact, it's a verb to ermine yeah. someone means to screw them over so utterly completely oh that have God, no they have totally no idea what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was bad. Um, yeah. And for as much fun as that Amber game was the revelation while Jim had a good time in that revelation yeah. um it was rough. you were there, Bob like I mean it was it was me, a like- hard night and
1: the the I say the funny part it, the, an odd twist to it. I wasn't upset that he did that. I was impressed when it all came out. I was like, wow because he started right out of the gate in like session one. he was like, hey Phil, I'm going to, like, slowly ingratiate myself with, like, all of the staff, the the, the, the hired help in Castle Amber. I want to be the guy that everybody, like, thinks is a really cool guy. Like, everybody's like, oh, that what a What a great guy. You know, I want to get in with all of the low-level people. And that's where he started. And he just worked up from there. And when we got to the climax and everything was revealed, I was sitting there going, wow, we played, how many months, Phil? Like, Oh, it was like lot. almost a year and it was like weekly because yeah. you almost failed out of grad school because you were spending so yes. much time writing all these sessions and separate storylines for all the players and i sat there dumbfounded like impressed as hell that he had pulled it off and i thought to myself we all came into this game and started playing checkers and jim was off playing fucking chess behind the back behind our backs and it was bizarre and brilliant and all of that, and what upset me, okay, not his reveal and what he did. the part that upset me was that Phil had a GM secret that I never clued into, okay <laughs> And my character was what they call in, in the amber game a Trump artist. I could draw images that you could then use as transportation. That was like there like you'd look at a card and whoever had the other the other card, the same person. You know, you could, you could transport yourself through the cards. Or if you had a card of a place, you could transport yourself to that place. And to my character, the ultimate expression of his artistry would have been to draw a new pattern in his own image. And it turns out that my character secretly, unbeknownst to me, <laughs> was attuned to the object, the Jewel of Judgment, that, would u- that you used to draw a pattern. Had I known that, I would have been like, "Hey Ermine, hang on. I'll help you finish it as long as as long as you let me draw the new one." <laughs> I would have jumped on the train with him and been like, "Yeah, fuck all the rest of these guys." There were hints. And that's that that what made had me this... mad because I didn't know. Yeah, there were hints that you were attuned,
0: but you never caught on to the I fact never caught you him. Have... You, you gave him to yeah. me, but unfortunately it was you could have like literally stopped him in his tracks like you could have mm-hmm. just like halted yeah. anything he was doing and stopped him. Um And that's exactly what but, I would have done. He would have start got ready to
1: draw the pattern and I'd have been like no. And he would have froze and I would have taken the gem and went, "Let me do
0: it." <laughs> after the after the initial shock when people kind of calmed down. And again, I'm not saying this is good, right? But like no. after the initial shock, there was a period where people Asked a whole bunch of questions about the game, and were like, "What about this time?" And Jim was like, uh, "That was me." Yeah. Like, "What about when that guy like disappeared?" Uh, that was me. It was me. And, and and there was a lot of people who were like, "Holy shit, Jim!" Like, yeah. like the amount of shit he he did behind the scenes. But again, yeah. and I say this right, like it is what it is, and we have we all you know, we all got past it or whatever. But as GMing went, it was a pretty colossal failure in terms of um, player harm. Like, like players were harmed in, like, the first hour of that revelation. Like, yeah. we we all learned, like, we all dealt with it, but it, it wasn't good. And yes, Jim's play is impressive. And again, decades later, we can all look back on it. But, I, like, I remember when um and it was your sister right it was your sister who was crying yeah. because jim had killed her boyfriend
1: yeah um, the character's boyfriend in the
0: game the and it was like game. it it was tough like it was just like it, it was what it was and um it it shaped my feelings about player secrets um in a very profound way like my lesson learned from that was um we could have done that as character secrets um had it, If we had negotiated any part of it, the player secret part or character secret part, um, we could have played that out in a very dramatic way. Um, But instead, we just, you know, um, shocked everybody with, you know, this massive like reveal hammer kind of thing. So it was it was was a lesson learned and it is a cornerstone moment of my gaming. Um, It's, you know, clearly a campaign I'll never forget. It was a great campaign. Um, but you know if it had one if it had a thing it could do better it would have been um, to have better set up safety but this was like 1996 and the concept of safety was not really a thing like it wasn't like there was no having like a session zero discussion you just like hey this is amber amberites like backstab each other all the time ergo backstab each other if you want yeah (laughs) so jerry how about you
2: well it was uh one of the and again. It was one of the few Shadowrun games I've played. Um, I was a player in it, and turned out that one of the other players was secretly a mole for one of the corpse that we were one of the corpse that we were dealing with, and was basically the chaos player and responsible for several of our missions failing that we didn't know about it. And when it finally came out that uh, he'd been playing the bad guy and working for the bad guys the whole thing, it completely broke the group. Um, Lots of swearing at the GM for allowing it. Lots of swearing at the player for breaking the player trust. Um, it literally just broke the group. Like we stopped like at that point that we folded ourselves up, left the table. And um, I talked to their players and said, I'll run something else. And we, I played another game and we didn't invite them back. Either the GM or the player were invited back. And we. I, I don't think anybody's talked to them since. This was back in the mid-90s. That was it. We're like, that's it. We're done. And it broke the group. Um, you know, you did it just to fuck over the rest of the party because you thought it'd be funny to watch it happen, and you allowed it, knowing it was coming. And so you know what? If those are the kind of friends you are, we don't need you as friends. We can't trust you. If there's no trust, there's no friendship, goodbye. And we left. Uh, this was yeah. not at my house, so I didn't get the satisfaction of throwing them out of the house, which I have done with other players. But uh, that was it. We just got up. We were actually uh we were actually at somebody else's house. we just yeah you know, we got up and left and that was it um and never played with either of them again and i
0: i would 100% murder that character
2: like uh, i would uh, have
0: i if it was in my character's ability to murder that character in the moment of the revelation 100 oh, 100- we, we,
2: oh the reveal ended up killing several player characters uh it was it, that's part yeah. of what did it but it was just it was uh it was one of those it was it was literally one of those the player looked at it, you know, ha ha, I got you, kind of things. Like, we're done, goodbye, you know, and uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. And
0: uh, um, <laughs> I I would have I would have been what's his face? I, I would have been uh, is it was it Robert? I would have been Robert in Red Dawn, right when they when they reveal the when they reveal that um what's his face swallowed the tracker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just he just guns him down. That would have been me. That's really, how bad.
2: We weren't in a position for our characters to do that. We died oh, so that's getting even away worse, from it. Right? Like- oh, yeah. Oh no. The GM let him set us up, and uh, another mission failed. Several players died, or se- several characters died. <laughs> the players that did got away with almost nothing. We basically scrambled out of there. With that was, I mean, it was it was the the full fruition of somebody planning to betray everybody, and it came to fruition. And, and ended the. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was full on. You know, and the GM thought it was really funny and clever, and. You know, look at what we pulled off. I'm like, yeah, you're the GM. Pulling that off is not clever. Yeah. Anyway, it was done. And uh, that was pretty much it. Um, it's really one of the few times I've had that kind of a secret go badly. because um, Generally, we don't have player secrets. The only time we ever had one was half GM, half player secret. And we'll probably talk about that next week. And that was our V&V campaign where one of the players was in on the actual secret and the rest of the players knew there was a secret they just didn't know what it was and we're all good with that and we'll talk about how that played out better next week so that's it Ooh. i would just say um uh, it's also a, i think that's probably why shadowrun has always left a bad taste in my mouth for a game no that's <laughs>
0: not it the rules are terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah that too but okay. <laughs> just be clear the rules are bad but yes also that betrayal is terrible i don't think um, i've ever had a good sh- I,
2: I've never run Shadowrun. I've only played Shadow Run.
0: And I tried I don't running think it.
2: and I don't think I've ever played in a Shadow Run campaign where the game was good. And that's not the fault of Shadow Run that the campaign wasn't good. That's the fault
0: of the people running it. Um but the yeah. thing about the thing about Shadow Run that's the most painful is that mm-hmm. the setting is so compelling that you, you're you just like, ah, oh, you know what? Elves and cyber decks, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me those. Yeah. Just give me my truckload of, of D6s. And then you start playing it. Yeah. You're like, no, man, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's it's it's
1: not good. Like, And then they tell you they're coming out with a new version of the game. You're like, oh, please fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Yeah. They didn't fix it. <laughs> Let me just I, say this. I, I, in I'll
0: the, be honest. So go ahead. In the late 80s, I was so frustrated playing Shadowrun and, as written that we made our own version of shadow run by combining palladium fantasy with palladiums, ninjas and super spies Mm -hmm. and literally made a palladium version of shadow run because we thought that was more playable than shadow run. And when you have to turn a game into palladium to make it more runnable, like better, easier to run you, you, you are you are far off in deep water.
2: I think another problem with Shadowrun for me, and this is only for me, is that I'm very influenced by the art in a game. And while Lovenstein does really good artwork for monsters, I thought that his like none of his characters ever looked anything like something I wanted to play. They were always super asymmetrical and always lumpy, ugly. And so I didn't like flip through the Shadowrun book going, "Ooh, I want to play that. That looks cool. And so whenever somebody would like show me artwork from Shadowrun, I was like, ooh, those are not those just don't look like heroic characters or even exciting characters. They were all his artwork is kind of misshapen and, and deformed. And it's not my kind of thing. And it's I'm a visual person when it comes to that kind of thing. And so I never got a feel that that's the kind of thing I want to play. It wasn't Johnny Silverhand, you know, that kind of thing. Um, which definitely influenced how I looked at the game because I I didn't own the books. So I didn't like flip through them looking for their stuff. And so none of the shadow run artwork ever drew me in. And because Mm -hmm. of that, it it influenced my, you know, having been a cyberpunk player and seeing the cool, Mm -hmm. like cyberpunk is about looks and and appearance. That's part of the game and that's understandable. It's a different game than shadow run, but that was my kind of gateway into that genre. And so that wasn't, again, that wasn't the fault of the game system regardless of how bad the game system was or wasn't it was i never looked at anything in shadow run and still don't i never look at anything in shadow run and go "Ooh, i want to play that
0: thing you know i Um, I will i will say this though if you want an enjoyable shadow run experience go mm -hmm. play the video game shadow run returns cool that that is an ios game that is actually a lot of fun and again a testament to that the shadow run world is a lot of fun mm-hmm. and that its mechanics are painful because the iOS game which handles you know pretty much all of the mechanical underpinnings like while you're playing it is mm-hmm. actually pretty fun. Um and I played a bunch of it. I think I got pretty close to the end before some bug ate me. Um it's but it was,
2: shadowrun was fun.
0: Yeah. But yeah it was um I mean look there are people who love Shadowrun and I won't dump on you at all. Like no, it's fine. If you no. love Shadowrun it's great. Yeah. Um I just it was a system I could never Every I and I made multiple attempts to get into that system and bounced off of it. Like it was like Lucy and the football. Like I felt like Charlie Brown every time I bought a, a Shadow Run, a Run book. And I bought them. Like I have several versions of Shadowrun in my trunk of old games. Um, so I, I, I say this having tried it, but man, like just oh frustrated me. Again, our palladium game was great. <laughs> so take that for a grain of salt. I would also today in today's standards i would just go make a cortex prime game out of it like (laughs) in like two seconds like just i'll slap this thing into cortex prime the new hotness it's my new version of i would make this a fate game i'll just make it into a um and also you could totally play shadow run as like um savage worlds yeah just grab the just grab the you know whatever shadow run there's there's a cyberpunk um there's more than one cyberpunk setting grab the fantasy toolkit Big bang boom. You're playing, you know, you're playing Savage Savage um Shadow run
2: You also play Shadowrun by just by just playing the the uh uh what was it called? The DreamPod Nine uh their vampire werewolf magic whatever <clears throat> supplement they did. Uh Dream Pod Nine had a whole bunch of cyber for Cyberpunk. They had a supernatural set of supplements for Cyberpunk that they put out that were that were all really uh Night's Edge, that's what they were called. Night's Edge. All the Knights Edge books were super well written and also played really well. So
0: let me let me say this: if you want the ultimate challenge, and there is some Grognar out there who could make this challenge, how we took Palladium Fantasy and Ninjas and Super Spies and made it into a cyberpunk game—the mm-hmm. hardest of hardcore gamers, beyond my capabilities, could take Rollmaster and Cyberspace ICE's, um cyberpunk game and make their own. Rollmaster version of <laughs> cyberpunk i'm pretty sure there was a supplement for that that did that i mean that would be I, pretty I, amazing
2: cause I, because i i played i played all those we, one of my gms was a role Master fanatic we definitely had oh, fa- fantasy in it. our yep
0: where is it fantasy, <laughs> fantasy hero, hero and oh. cyber hero now yeah. we're now we're <laughs> talking let's let's make this thing as complicated as possible <laughs> Uh, oh, that's what I like. Although I will say, when you play the ice version that game, Cyberspace, um, then you get into the um, critical damage tables, and if you even if you've never played Role Master, it is worth just reading the descriptions of some of the high level wounds in those games. Um, for if you haven't, um, the critical table from um, Forbidden Lands actually reads a lot like. The critical tables from Rollmaster. It's a fun table. <laughs> my,
2: my personal favorite is the critical fumble that is for pole arms, which is you stumble over an unseen imaginary deceased turtle and end up hitting yourself with your own pole arm. Roll on, roll on the the like level D critical chart or whatever, but it's the description of an unseen imaginary deceased turtle. <laughs>
0: I think my favorite was under the um, critical, the highest level critical or high or one of the highest level criticals for force damage, was um, all bones and internal organs reduced to jelly. Player dies and character dies immediately. Mm -hmm. Fun. Anyway, all right.
1: We should probably wrap this third question up. So, how do you feel about secrets for one shots? I'll
0: go first as long as it's not paranoia, because again, paranoia being a perfect one-shot game and a game that perfectly does secrets. If it's not that, I'm not interested. When I'm doing one-shots, I want simplicity at the table. Simple plot, straightforward, no curves, no red herrings, none of that nonsense. Just um, just play. Secrets are just going to make things more complicated in running a one-shot. It's just going to be a ton more work for what is not going to be a fantastic payoff just not a fan jer
2: um i'd say everybody grasp your pearls again i'd
0: say i never
2: play your secrets absolutely not period no player secrets um and for character except for paranoia and character secrets only if everybody just describes ahead of time and like phil said keep the character secrets simple um Again, you want to play a character who's a changeling that nobody knows are a changeling. That's fine. You want to play a character who is secretly the child of the bad guy, and you're going to reveal that. That's fine. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, maybe my character is actually your character's, um, you know, childhood crush from when you were children, and now we're going to have a dramatic romantic reveal at the end. That's fine, also. But that's pretty much it. They all got to be character secrets that everybody talks about ahead of time, so you can have a
1: good reveal in them. That's pretty much it. That's me. Bob? Yeah, I, I'm I'm along similar lines as Phil. Like don't just leave the secrets out. Um, maybe in some of those some of the circumstances that you described, but if if you're doing a, a one shot, especially if it's a con game. If it's a con game, you've already got enough things to juggle to try and make sure that you get the session off, you get it done in time, and everybody has a good time if there's secrets involved that you have to try and make sure pay off so that they're worth having and stuff like you're just adding another thing to the mix. Keep it simple. Like Phil said, I would not do secrets in a one shot.
0: I'll just mention really quick. Senda just mentioned um, playing a one shot of cartel with secrets. I don't know necessarily if I'd be a fan of secrets. I wouldn't have a problem in a one shot of cartel of people doing things without each other's knowledge, but like, as in my character has a secret at the start, like before the one shot, like officially starts, I'm probably just going to avoid that. Could it be done? Absolutely. Could it be done as a character thing? Better, you know, Um, you know, better than that. Um, If I was going to do something like that, I might do something fun, like give every character um a random secret on an index card and then make them all reveal it right before we start playing the game. Like, but I would not have a problem for a game like cartel of, of taking secret actions during the game. Cause again, everybody's going to be watching that, right. We're all sitting at yeah. the table watching, you know, that, um, you know, I shot the, you know, police chief. No one knows I did like yeah. character wise, but yeah. I whacked the police chief, you know, in, you know, outside the cantina kind of thing. Like, yeah. okay. Anyway, that's just me.
2: Yeah. All right. So that was our look at
1: player
0: and character secrets. We hope that if your game is going to have secrets, that we've provided you some ways that you could do it safely.
1: We're going to check in one more time with the chat room before we go off to the conversation corner. And I think we hit the chat room because we, we, already, uh, we already mentioned the uh, the, <coughs> the statement from Senda about Cartel. Genesis of Legend. Hey, welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, man. Hello, Jason. How's it going? Oh, uh, all right. Well. Let's bang on over into the other room here. Yay. <clears throat> so my one thing for this week, um, since we haven't been on for a couple weeks, or we had one week off, which really turns into two weeks in between, whatever however you want to line that up. Uh, I finished Ted Lasso Season 2, so I'm through <laughs> all of the Ted Lassos that are currently available, and I am jonesing for Season 3 sometime, hopefully this summer. Wow,
0: what did you what did you think of the um, the end ending?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, just like <laughs> right? <laughs> there's there's a lot going on and it's just like the, the more I, the more every episode I watched, I was just more and more amazed at the writers for the show and how well they pulled everything off. It's just amazing. And the, the Ted Lasso effect as I'm calling it now. Um we need more people like that. We need real life people agree. like Ted Lasso to to boost this world. <laughs> Just that and I'll say Roy Kent Forever.
0: Oi. Oi Fuck! his other famous line. Fuck.
1: <laughs> good times, good times. So that's all finished up. Um I uh we had our birthday feast which was amazing. Um we had our aux game this weekend which again loving loving the cortex system and the, and the game that we've got going on there. Um we had our Friday night D&D campaign which is uh which is very enjoyable. Can't wait to see where that's going to go. Um Picard was good this week again. Um chugging my way through Shitt's Creek. Uh finished season 1 into season 2. Um, there's some interesting things about that, uh, <clears throat> about that show. Uh, and again, uh, I, I, won't spend too much time on it cause we're supposed to just blow through these, but, um, that character, that guy, and now I can't think of this, the friggin' actor's name. I just, I can't stand him. I can't stand him. He Chris was Elliot. like the leading cabin boy, Chris Elliott. Oh, Chris yeah. El- Chris <laughs> Elliott comes on screen and I'm like, Oh, that's my reaction every time. It's like, no, I don't, I don't need that. Um, had Glenn and Jerry over to my house for a John Woo double feature, which was a lot of fun. I've been watching lots of hockey, um, lacrosse, uh, both of our, our teams, uh, our hockey and our lacrosse team have been doing very well of late, so that's been fun. And uh, working my way through the, uh, the complete uh, uh, HP Lovecraft, because I wanted to read those stories, so very, very interesting, fun stuff. Uh, For Jim's edification, we watched John Woo's A Better Tomorrow and A Better Tomorrow Two. So that was uh, that was an interesting double feature. A couple of good. I think next time I'm
2: going to dig out. Bob has never seen um, Broken Arrow or Face Off. So oh, there you go. Next next time we do this, I got to dig those out and bring them over off to do a double feature. So.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, pretty much it for me, Jerry.
2: All right. Uh, For me, uh, actually, last night, my wife uh, sat down for dinner, and we decided to curl up on the couch and watch The King's Man, which is the prequel to Kingsman 1 and Kingsman The Golden Circle. And uh, it was just fun. Um, Some of the plot was very predictable in a good way. Some stuff happened that I was just like, holy shit, they just do that. So I'll just say that. Um, It it was interesting. Interesting and in a fun way not not the movie they advertised which is really cool um in a good way in a good way um and uh it's it's it was just a fun movie we had a really good time watching it and now i want to see another one i want to see what they uh there's a if you watch it there is a an easter egg mid credits and that easter egg mid credits sets up another i'm like i want to see that movie now but uh, just a lot of good actors in it um and uh, other than that, um, we had the meat sweats for the combined birthday at Texas Day Brazil, and that was amazing. Great food. Um, Picard has been a lot of fun, just catching up on that. Um, I, I like the storyline. I like where they're going with that. Um, no Man's Sky has been a lot of fun. Um, Bob and Phil both taught me a few more things that have made the game a lot more entertaining. Um, Chris's D&D game is exciting and chaotic and different than the last DD game he ran so it's always a lot of fun um and we've got secrets and mysteries that we're constantly uncovering so that's been fun real quick ox i think bob covered most of it um i'm looking forward to the next scenario as well but the past scenario was good cortex just seems to make things wonderful and as players we're getting much more into the idea of um not Can we do this? It's how we're going to do this. There's nothing we can't try. There's no, um, this is why in the Slack room I mentioned the comment that um, some GMs write adventures that are just like situation occurs. I'm going to leave it up to the players to figure out how to solve it. That's pretty much the way this game has to run because Phil Mm -hmm. never knows what we're going to come up with.
1: (laughs) Um, And we can talk more about that in the after show.
2: Yeah. But it's just that's I just wanted to mention that John Woo Knight was good. and in my Facebook feed, I've been getting all these little sketches, skits from a show called Dairy Girls, which was on Netflix, which is a two-season now three-season show about four basically juvenile delinquents growing up in nineteen nineties um, London Dairy Ireland, as part of a that go to a Catholic girls' school, and various shenanigans go on. Um, and it's just been fun, um, and, and absurd. And as somebody who did go to some Catholic stuff, a lot of the jokes are just hilarious as well. So, but you don't have to be Catholic to get the jokes, but if you just want to watch a, a fun show about, uh, mid nineties Irish culture, it's entertaining. It's comedy. That's it. Phil. All
0: right. I'll try to do this briefly. I'll ask you two to keep me honest, um, Mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of things that I have to kind of lay out here in the course of a, of a week. Um, So let's see how I do. Um, My birthday was this past uh, was last week. um, And basically the whole week um, was packed full of events. So Friday, Friday, I went to my daughter's play for Mamma Mia. Excellent production. Had a good time. Saturday, my son got us tickets for March Madness um, because part of the qualifier rounds were here in Buffalo. So we got to watch two um, basketball games together. Sunday, I had um, Sunday had a birthday party with my kids. Like my kids came over to celebrate my birthday um, and I made them uh, pancakes and then brownies for dessert. And then um, and then we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because I'm old and I made them watch an 80s movie. (laughs) because i'm old and it was my birthday um they did get me um they got me cool led smart led lights for backlighting my tv and they got me the blu-ray version of uh, the disney three musketeers um, which is easily one of my favorite films so i now own that media beyond digital which i'm very happy about monday i chilled i just didn't go to work and i chilled out um tuesday i went to um Tuesday, as you guys said, we went to Texas Day Brazil to eat. Um, and and here's the thing: over the course of the weekend, I had thought my birthday was kind of wrapped up. Senda sent me um, my uh, AirPods for my birthday, which are awesome. And um, and I got like a little present of like some like like I got like a little PayPal present from uh, a bunch of um, Slackroom folks and some other people for my birthday. And Bob actually helped me. I used that money to buy a um, chair and a lamp for the corner of my bedroom, a little reading nook. Bob was, um, Bob was my uh, driver to go pick up the chair um, that I picked up on Facebook. But anyway, I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, we're going to finish off. We're going to finish off the night with, uh, with Texas day Brazil, finish off the birthday thing with uh, Texas day Brazil. So we get there and Bob's like, Oh, I got some stuff for you. It's like, send us some more stuff. So unbeknownst to me, a a whole host of people, many people from our chat room. And like I said, a few others, um, all chipped in. And, um, of the things that, um, I got, like, they covered the dinner, um, the, again, like I said, the chair for my reading nook, but also, uh, six cameos from various members of different Star Trek, um, TV shows. Um, and I will try to remember them all. <clears throat> I'm, I'm always so bad. Um, Commander Nan, right? From, um, from just, dis- yep. from Disco yep um and i forget the actress name rachel anchoral thank you um and then um i got detmer from disco whom is one of they my colleagues. favorite characters on disco yep. um then um tim russ tuvok which was very excellent <clears throat> um not visitor kira narice from deep space nine who is easily my favorite deep space nine character of all time next to garrick or in addition to garrick i've always (laughs) loved kira um john delancey q that was amazing and then by far the funniest of the ones that i got was um robert picardo his birthday wish um of which has um enshrined the phrase um placing your hand on the seat of power yep um from his, from his cameo, a phrase that a number of us will be reciting into the future. Um, But it was, um, I was just blown away. Like I I had no idea that that was part of, you know, um, part of the birthday thing. And it was so cool after like all the Star Trek watch parties that we did during lockdown and the early part of the pandemic um, just, you know, hearing birthday wishes and not only that, but I know like you guys wrote some stuff about it because uh, a number of them even mentioned that like, you know, Oh, like you brought new people into the franchise and things like that. So it was like, it was really, really, like, I was totally blown away by it, um, which was pretty amazing. And that would have like, and that would have been like, if that was my whole week, that would have been great. But then to cap the end of my week, um, my son tested for his adult black belt, but, um, did an unbelievable job I am um, as a parent beyond proud of the 11 years of training that he's done to get to that part um, and having gone from basically the end of his second grade year to his senior year of high school the difference um, that 11 years of training has made in um, who he is his personality who he is physically like it's just unbelievable and I showed you guys a couple of videos of some of his more impressive board breaks and things Mm -hmm. like that so as birthday weeks go turning 50 was pretty awesome (laughs) (laughs) it was it was it was pretty awesome and i capped it off by writing a um article for gnome stew um recapping 40 years of role-playing and kind of did it by decade like what i was playing what i learned um like those kinds of things so anyway that was a lot sorry for going long on that Right. Um, there's a lot to pack in there um, other things a lot of stuff you guys covered no mans sky Picard uh, I'm uh, I'm seem to be getting over my reading and concentration hurdle I've been I I spent like an hour on Sunday on Sunday just reading um, agency um, by William Gibson and I'm, I'm ready to pick it up again I'm kind of excited to get this book finished so I like I'm, I feel like I feel like I'm starting to regain some of my concentration and some of my anxiety seem to be um, coming down that like i'm able to focus again on books i started watching seal team tv show from cbs i've seen it before uh, but i needed something to watch like while i'm eating meals and stuff and i've just been kind of um i've been going through a good solid um network drama uh we played ox and then i also played the other cortex game i'm running long live the queen with senda um, and that game has gone smashingly well um it was originally a fate game we moved it to Ox. I'm sorry. We moved it to Cortex. I love how it came out. We just finished playing the second mission, which was a, um, which was also the plot was a playtest adventure. So it was like designed for convention playtesting. And um, I'm now really excited because I'm going to write the first Cortex-based uh, mission, like not one that I've had to convert from another game but I'm going to write the first Cortex set of storylines. And I'm super psyched about, about actually getting to um, getting to do that. I'm definitely firmly in love with Cortex right now. Like I'm pretty sure everybody knew that, but like, I am firmly in love with this system and we will probably talk about it in length uh, in a future episode, but that'll be all for me for now.
1: All right. Well, that brings us to our Patreon shout outs. So we would love to thank James Aitken, Noah Bond, Alice Kira, Austin Lemke, Chris Mead, Craig Duffy, Dan Simons, David Walker, Drew Smith, and Glenn Seiler. And thank you everyone for listening.
0: If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's time, then you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other listeners in the awesome chat room for life and ask us the occasional question.
2: If you can't the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. Then take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, and Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panis Talking Games, The Gnome Cast, Shang-Hu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and the incredible back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. <clears throat>
0: Before you make the big reveal that's going to tear apart your group, end your campaign, and never speak to the rest of your uh, group, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly on the old-fashioned emails, mmp at MisdirectedMark.com. Hit us up on Twitter. The show and the network is at MisdirectedMark. He is Robert M. Everson. He is Jim Gerrymander. I'm DNA Phil.
1: If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the MisdirectedMark network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panda Stocking Games are all at Patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at Patreon.com slash Django Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at Patreon.com slash Bonus Experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Panda Stocking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mister Mark production.
2: The media arm of Included Designs. Mic drop. We out.